Um, let's read about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, all right? Acts chapter 8, verse 26, we're going to start. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. <clears throat> and he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation, his generation, from his, from his life is take, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, we are amazed at the work of your Spirit. Lord, you're, you're at work. God, you were at work in Philip's day and you're at work in our day. And God, we know that, that you are saving men. And you're saving women. And you're saving children. And Father, we want to be a part of that. And God, we know that if we don't want to be a part of that, there's something wrong inside of us. Lord, that we want you to fix. Father, put it in us to brag about Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to think about Jesus, to share about Jesus. Father, I pray that you would make us people who, who are instruments of the Holy Spirit to bring others into the kingdom of God. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> in this passage of Scripture, we see a really neat story of a guy who knows Jesus, a Christian, <clears throat> and he meets a guy who doesn't know Jesus, and they have a conversation and the guy puts his faith in Christ, and he's gloriously saved, and he's baptized, and he goes on his way rejoicing. Now, you know what I think about that? That ought to happen all the time, don't you think? I mean, yeah, really, that ought to happen all the time. And I, I really want that to happen all the time, and I want it to happen all the time on Lincoln Avenue. And, and I'm thrilled that it's been happening. I'm thrilled that we've seen baptism. I'm thrilled that people have come to know Christ and their lives have been transformed. But I really want that to continue to happen because that, that's the kingdom of God spreading in the earth. And, and I want you guys to be a part of that. Okay? And so what that means is you being able to go out these doors and into the world and into your jobs and into your neighborhood and into your families and, and you to be able to meet people and, or talk to people you already know and to be able to share about Jesus in a way that the Spirit of God works and brings them to life and they're saved and they're baptized and they're brought into the church and their lives are changed and their eternities changed. Okay? Very simply, that's what we want to happen. Okay? Now, what, what I had intended to do initially with this passage, there's about four practical things here that are really good. 
They're, they're just practical things about sharing your faith. A lot of people struggle. How do I share my faith? How do I start the conversation? What do I talk about? What, 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 are, some, what are some practical things that I need to know that will help me to share my faith? And so I, I was going to spend all our time on that, okay? I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm going to spend the end of the sermon on that. But, but the reason I'm going to spend the end of the sermon on that, I'm going to do something else first, is because here's what I believe. If you're not motivated, if you're not compelled, if you're not stirred up on the inside to talk to your friends about Jesus then whatever I tell you practically is going to be a waste of time, right? It's just like, let's say that we flashed up here on the screen. We were, we we're not going to, but let's say we did. Flash up on the screen, the greatest model of a birdhouse ever made, okay? And what if I spent 30 minutes explaining to you step-by-step step, how you could build this birdhouse, okay? Now, we're talking about a regular birdhouse. We're talking about ceramic tile. We're talking about a plumbing, you know, system that, that makes a little bird bath on the inside that comes up from the tub, a little jacuzzi tub. You know, we're talking about, you know, granite countertops. And we're talking about, you know, tiled roof. And I mean, just this is incredible birdhouse, okay? And I'm going to give you step-by-step step instructions on how you can build one, okay? That's a big waste of time unless you don't like, if you don't like birds, right? I mean... For, for many of you, that'd be, oh, that's great, Pastor, really interesting. But, you know, you're wasting my time because I'm not going to go do that, right? I mean, some of you that would just say, I'm not going to build. I would be one of those people. I'm not going to build a birdhouse in my backyard. Now, I'm not going to build a nice one. I'm not going to build any birdhouse. You know why? Because I, I don't care that much for birds, you know? I mean, I mean, all the birds do in my backyard is mess up the lawn furniture, all right? And, and I'm more concerned, Had and I are more concerned about how we can shoot the birds with our BB gun than we are about building a birdhouse. And so some of you... Not that you should do that in the city limits. I'm just saying we were concerned with that. Some of you, some of you if, if we just talk about practically sharing your faith, the how-tos of how do you share the gospel, how do you talk about the gospel, what do you say about the gospel, some of you, it's, it's just going to be a waste of time. Why? Because right now at this moment, you're not really motivated to walk out of these doors to your work, to your wherever, and to share Christ. Now, Why? You know, what, you know what the most popular answer to that is? This is my own experience. What people say most of the time to me. Pastor, I, I don't know all the answers. I would share my faith, but I don't know enough about Jesus. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about the gospel. I don't know enough about, you know, what to say and what verses. And, and I'm sure they're going to ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. I don't believe any of that. Honestly, I don't believe that keeps anybody from sharing the gospel. You know what I think that is? Smokescreen. You, you know why I think that? Because we share all the time about stuff we know hardly anything about. Okay? We do. I was in Stillwater Hospital Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of, the, of this week. My wife had surgery. And so I was there in the hospital. And um, Wednesday morning, Kathy Kirkendall brought us these pastry things. Okay? And on the box, it said Red River Pastry Company or some Red River something. I'm telling you, folks, these were incredible. All right. Maybe the most incredible thing I've ever eaten in my life. All right. I mean, they were, they were, and there was a bunch of them in there. We, we, we spaced ourselves out and I finished them off when, or Friday when we left, you know. I mean, they, they were incredible. And I want to tell you, I shared, though I didn't, I didn't give any to anybody, but I told every nurse that came in there, I told them about that. I said, you got to go to this place. You got to get these things. And you know what they'd say? They'd say, well, where is it? 
I don't know. I don't know. Somebody brought them to us. And they say, well, what's the phone number? I don't know. Do they have a website? I don't know. You know, well, well can you eat there too? I don't know. You know, who owns it? I don't know. What's it like? I don't know. They, they would say, well, what did they give you? I don't know what they're called, but they're incredible. I mean, you couldn't have known less about this than I did. All right. I mean, the only thing, the only fact I had was they're incredible. That's all I knew. That, that was, uh, I didn't know what they're called. I didn't know what they're made of. I didn't know what was in them. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know any of that, okay? That did not stop me from every nurse that came in there. Hey, man, have you ever been to this place? These are, you got to go to this place. This is incredible. You know what I learned from that? Lack of information does not keep people from sharing, okay? So, so let's, Let's just all be honest with ourselves. You know, we like to say, well, pastor, I would share the gospel. I'd share with my uncle. I'd share with my friend. I'd share with my parents. I'd share with my kids. I'd share, but I just don't know all the answers. That's not why you don't share the gospel. That's not it. It's something else. And so what I want to do, first of all, before we get to some practical stuff, let's just talk about, because I don't know what it is in, in, in many of our lives that keeps us from talking about Jesus. You know, whether it's just embarrassment or, Offense? I'm not sure. But, but what I want to do is I want to spend some time here, first of all, just talking about what are some real practical reasons why you ought to talk to other people about Jesus. Okay? What are some practical reasons? Number one. Here it is. Number one. Number one. It's a simple one. You probably expect it. You knew it was coming. There's a heaven and there's a hell. There's a heaven and there's a hell. I mean, very simply, what the Bible says is it's very certain that every man, woman, and child is a sinner by birth and by choice. We are rebels against our Creator. We have refused to submit our will to the King of the universe. We've broken His laws. We've ignored His truth. We've dishonored His name. And with our lives, we've said, God, I'm not that interested in you. And in return, God has said, okay, you know, uh, okay, you don't want me. You, 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 you've sinned against me. The, you've transgressed against me. And so you're going to be separate from me. And friends, what the Bible says is to be separate from God. To be separate from God is to be in a place the Bible calls hell. Because that's where God is not. Okay? The Bible describes hell as a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place of darkness and conscious torment and regret. It's a place that never ends. It never gets better. There's never any relief. There's never any refreshment. Nothing ever changes. That is what the Bible describes as hell, and it's a very real place, and real people that you and I know will end up there without Jesus Christ. That's a fact. Now, the other end of the spectrum is that there's also a real place called heaven. Now, what, what is heaven? Well, hell is a place where God is not. Heaven is a place where God is, okay? And so what do we know about heaven? Well, we know that those who, who are joined to Jesus Christ, who, who have put their faith in him and embrace the work of the cross for their sins and for their salvation will be, will, will be forever in that place. Of a new heavens and a new earth, a place where there, there, there's righteousness that dwells, where there's no more sorrow or pain or death or crying, a place where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, that's Psalm 1611, a place where every day is better than the day before, a place where we will experience more and more of God's infinite glory day after eternal day, that's a place called heaven. And every man, woman, and child will spend eternity in one of those two places. And the fact of the matter is you cannot go to heaven except through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know the gospel. And other people don't. And so it seems very, very clear, very natural that we would be a people, not just here, but everywhere, that talk about Jesus. Okay. Let me tell you the reality. That's compelling to me. That's compelling. When I think about it, every, every one of you, 
Every one of you. Someday. Heaven or hell forever. That's compelling. But you know the reality? You know what I found? This is just my own experience. That's not, that's usually not enough to get people to talk about Jesus on an everyday, everyday basis. Isn't that weird? I mean, my instinct is to say, that's enough. Pastor, stop right there. Stop, stop, you know, you know, shorten the sermon up. Make everybody happy because that's enough right there. I mean, man, people believe that. That's it. We don't, let's go. But you know what? Here's, here's what I found. People live in a world where, you, you know what's right in front of them? Bills, soccer, you know, toilet won't flush, the plumber won't come, you know. I mean, just just everyday stuff, right? I mean, and that's what, what's in front of our faces all the time. What are we thinking about? We got, well, I got to go here and I got to do this work and this guy's annoying at my job and my boss doesn't treat, doesn't treat me fair and I need a raise and we got things that, you know, everybody just lives in this just immediate. We're not thinking eternity. We're not thinking what's coming. We're not thinking about that. We're just thinking about right right here, okay? So, so let, let, me, let me give you some reasons about right here, okay? Why are we to share the gospel? Because you know what? We ought to want to be pleasing to the Lord. What's your relationship with Jesus like? You know what? My relationship with Jesus isn't just eternity. You know what? It's every day. Isn't that the way yours is? It's every day. It's God, I need you. I need you to provide for me. I need you to help me. I need you to keep me out of sin, God. I need some encouragement, God. I, I, I need you to work in my family and work in my son and work in my daughters and work in my wife. God, I need you every day. And there's this daily interaction where God is helping me and he's encouraging me and he, he's, he's revealing things to me and he's convicting me of sin and, and he's doing those things in my life every day. And so it's very natural for me to say, you know what? I want to be pleasing to God. I mean, that's a natural thing. I, I don't want to disappoint my wife. Okay. Uh, you know why? Because she loves me and, 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 and we have a relationship and we love each other. And just because of that, I, I just, I don't want to disappoint her. I want to do things that, that make her proud. And I want to do things that serve her. I mean, that's a natural thing. How much more with Jesus? If, if I have a relationship with Jesus and I'm living with him day after day and he's helping me and interacting with me, then why wouldn't I just simply want to be pleasing to him and honor him by telling other people about him? I, I think I should. Okay. So, so number one, heaven and hell. Number two, I want to be pleasing him. Number three, and I don't know how to express this. You know what the catechism says? I'll tell you how they express it. It says, Jesus is the first and best of beings. Okay. That's how the catechism expresses it. But let, let, me, let me tell you how I would express it. Jesus is the best guy ever, okay? Question, is Jesus, is Jesus God? Yes. Is Jesus man? Yes. Is he completely man? Completely yes, okay? Is he flesh and blood like me? He is. Did he experience everything that I, I've experienced in life? He has. Does he, does he know what it's like to sweat? Does he know what it's like to be sick? Does he know what it's like to be rejected? Does he know what it's like to have difficult relationships in his life? Does he know what it's like to be disappointed? Does he know what it's like to be in want? He knows all of that. He is the greatest man ever, okay? And so isn't it a natural thing? If you know the greatest man ever, how, how weird is it if you don't want to introduce him to anybody else? That's strange, isn't it? My brothers, I thought both of them were going to be here next weekend. It turns out I think just one of them is going to be here next weekend. Uh, we have uh, Hannah's graduation deal is, is next Saturday. You might have saw that. And so got some family coming in. You know what I was thinking about when, when I thought about my brother coming? I thought, man, I hope, I hope I get to introduce him to some of you. And I was thinking about people. I thought, oh, man, I bet, I bet Jeremy would like to meet this guy. And I bet, I'd like for this guy to meet Jeremy. Jeremy's not a celebrity. He's not perfect. But he's a good guy. He's my brother. And so by nature, I would like to introduce him to you. Why wouldn't the same be true with Jesus? 
Everybody's, everybody's pretty high right now on Kevin Durant. Got some Thunder fans in here? You know, people pretty high on Kevin. There was a girl in the second service. Uh, I pointed her out. She put on her Facebook she wanted to marry Kevin Durant, you know. So evidently we got some people that are big fans, all right? Big fans, all right? You know why you're a big fan of Kevin Durant? I assume you're going to say, well, because he's a Christian. He, I think he is, you know, from what I've read about him, what I know about him. I think he reads the Bible, stuff like that. Um, seems to be some evidence in his life. But you know why you're a big fan of Kevin Durant? Because he can do cool things with a rubber ball. Yes, it's true, isn't it? That's why. He can bounce real good, and he can throw a ball real good. That's why you're big fans of Kevin Durant. And you're, you, just that fact alone, the guy can do some cool things with a ball, makes you want to meet him. And if you knew him, if you brought him to church one day, what would you want to do? You want to introduce him to lots of people, wouldn't you? Yeah, I want you to be Kevin. Kevin, show him how you can bounce. Show him how you can shoot, Kevin. Look how tall he is. Yeah, you know, I mean, you'd want yeah, you'd want to introduce him, wouldn't you? Did you know Jesus can do some cool things as well? Now the Bible doesn't tell us what he can do with the basketball. I bet it's I bet it's out of this world. All right, but but the Bible doesn't tell us that. But it tells us some other cool stuff. Okay, things like you know what happens when Jesus shows up at somebody's work. Okay? You know what happens when he shows up at somebody's work? He showed up at Simon Peter's workplace. Okay? Been a bad day. Been a bad week. You know, profits are way down. Overhead's high. Peter's having trouble paying his employees. There's no fish. Man, they're men in the nets. He's, he's trying to think about what am I going to do? Okay? Jesus comes. Jesus shows up. Okay? The man Jesus. He says, hey, Peter, cast it out on the other side. They cast it out on the other side. They bring in the mother load of all fish. They can't get them all in the boat, okay? I mean, we're talking about being able to expand the business, being able to buy a yacht, a trawler, you know, being able to buy new nets, okay? You know, Simon's wife gets a new porch on the, on the house and the new plasma in the living room. I mean, this is the mother load. That's what happens when Jesus shows up, okay? Now, don't you want your friends that are in business to meet Jesus? I mean, just, I don't know if he'll do that for them, but... And if you knew a guy that could do that, wouldn't you want him to meet him? I mean, isn't that a natural thing to say Jesus is the best of all men? You know, Steve Jobs, he can make some pretty cool commuters. But you know what Jesus can make? He can make dead people live. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, Oprah, she gives away cars and trips on her show. And everybody raves. You know what? Jesus gives away eternal life in the paradise of God. How about Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey can make people laugh. You know what? Jesus gives joy inexpressible and full of glory. Anderson Silva, he's one of those MMA, you know, UFC fighters. Man, he beats his opponent into submission. You know what it says about Jesus in Revelation? He will slay the nations of the world with his mouth. Jillian, that gal on Biggest Loser, you know, she screams at people and makes unhealthy people healthy. You know what? Jesus turns murderers into missionaries, all right? You know what? John F. Kennedy, he spoke some great words, didn't he? He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. You know what? Jesus spoke some great words as well. And when he spoke, he spoke the universe into existence, all right? Elvis Presley, he made a name for himself. I can't really understand it myself, but he made a name for himself that's lasted decades beyond his death. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He says that he has a name that's above every name. Philippians says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, in every way, Jesus is the best of all beings. He's the best of men. And so if you know him, it's a strange thing that you wouldn't want to introduce him to somebody else. That you'd be ashamed of him. That's just weird, isn't it? When you think about it. Why else should we share our faith? 
Let me give you one from the Bible. First John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. This is what John says. John says in, in, in verse, 1 John 1, 3, he says, That which we have seen and heard, he's talking about Jesus. We saw Jesus, we heard Jesus. He says, because of that, we proclaim also to you. So that you too may have fellowship with us. All right, there's two reasons he gives why they proclaim Jesus. Number one, that you may have fellowship with us. And number two is in verse four. We're writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. Okay, it's two reasons. Why do, why do they share? Why do they proclaim Jesus? Number one, that you may have fellowship with him. And number two, that, you may, uh, that your joy may be made complete. Now, what does that first one mean? So we, sh- we ought to share Jesus. Why? So people can have fellowship with us. Okay, what does that mean? That means it's very natural whenever you experience something great for you to want other people to experience that with you, okay? You, you want other people to be in it with you, okay? We recruit people, don't we? We, we do that all the time. There, there's things that have happened in this church, and we see people recruiting people to come in, you know? People will start running, or they'll start P90X, or they'll start some exercise program. Pretty soon, you know what they're doing? They're recruiting people to come in. They, they, they want people to experience it with them. You know, there's a lady in our church. She goes to our first service. Her name's Crystal Caster. And what she loves to do, she loves to take a rifle and go out and kill things. All right. And she just loves that. You know what she does? This is, this, this, I mean, this is a natural thing. She recruits other women to kill them with her. All right. That's what she does. This last, this last season, she recruited my secretary. Paula has never shot anything in her life. You know what Crystal does? She says, I want you to go with me. Well, that's fellowship. Two fellows in the same ship. I want you to go with me. And so Paul says, okay. So she gets her and she camos her all up and camos her face, you know, puts her in a tree, gives her a firearm. That, I just can't imagine that. Gives her a firearm, you know. And they sit there and she shows her the deer and they come and they kill it, you know. And, and then just like Red Dawn, they slit its throat. And they, no, I don't know if they did that. But, you know, they, 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 they kill it and they drag it and they hang it up, you know. And they're in it. To, I mean, we do that. Whenever you experience anything great, don't you do that? You want other people to be in it with you. So if you experience Jesus and he's great, don't you want other people to be in it with you? People, other people experience what you, if you've experienced to know the truth you know, to be changed like you're changed. Second reason John gave is that, that your joy may be full. You know, the only thing better you know, when you, when you experience something great, you know what's the only thing better is for someone to experience it with you. What's, you, know, you, you experience something great, so your joy gets right here. Okay, what's the only way to get your joy higher? Someone else to experience it with you. You do that all the time. You're at work. Someone, you watch a cool YouTube video. You're at work, you're supposed to be working, but you're not. It's stealing from your boss, you know. And, and, and you watch this cool YouTube video that somebody sent you. Pastor Chris sent it to you, okay? Uh, he got struck by lightning. I don't know if you guys saw that this last I saw that on, on somewhere, you know? So, sends that to you. And you, you, it's the funniest thing ever. What do you do? What's the next thing you do? Now, you've already watched it. You've already experienced it. You've already got joy. What do you do? You go get somebody else, don't you? Yeah? yeah that's what you do. You're like, hey, 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 come here, come here. Yeah, come on, watch it. You got to watch this. Watch it. And, and it's even better if you can watch it with them, isn't it? Why is that? It's the thing John's talking about there. We proclaim him to you. Why? So that our joy may be made full. Sharing Christ with others increases your joy in Christ. Isn't that cool? We're out of time, but uh, I could give you more. It's awesome to see God change people. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome, John Arrington? Don't you think people were excited when, when they saw you change? Don't you, think, don't you think that was exciting for John's family when he got saved and, and God just transformed him into a different man? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting when, when we see that happen in our families? Man, I guess what I'm saying is there's a ton of reasons 
that you ought to be internally motivated to talk about Jesus. In fact, I can't think of a reason why you shouldn't. All right, practical things. Now we're getting to the practical, okay? We got five minutes left, so what that means is we'll be going over time. So just gird yourself up for that. (laughs) Number one, practical things about sharing your faith from this, this story, okay? We don't want to share the gospel and, and, and some practical tips about sharing the gospel we see from here. Number one is that the Spirit of God is in control, okay? You see the Holy Spirit all over this passage, okay? He, he, he guides Philip to the chariot, okay? He gets him there. When, when he, Philip gets to the chariot, what's the guy doing? The guy's reading the Bible, okay? Why is he reading the Bible? Because the Spirit of God's already at work. He's already cultivating the soil, okay? Where's the guy reading? He's reading Isaiah 53, a passage about Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating these events. And what I have understood from the Bible about salvation is that nobody's saved without the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is the one who prepares the soul. He's the one who prepares people for salvation. John 6, says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so the most important element in evangelism is not what you and I do. It's not having the perfect speech. It's not having the perfect verse. It's not having the perfect spiel. The most important element in evangelism is that the Spirit of God is at work. You know what? If God's working, you don't have to do it perfect. You, you, can, you can get tongue-tied and, 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 and say the wrong thing, and, and the person's still going to be saved because of the work of the Holy Spirit working through an imperfect vessel, which is you. And so what we really need to focus on in evangelism is that we are people who are filled with the Spirit. Now, the Bible says that about Philip. If we go back into Acts chapter 6, he's one of the guys that gets appointed to, be, uh, to take care of the widows. Okay, tough job, tough job. If you know some of our widows, you know how hard that is. Okay, but he's one of these guys. And so they pick these guys. And then in verse 4 says, uh, no, verse 3 says, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom. So Philip is a guy that's full of the spirit. What does that mean? Remember from a couple weeks ago, we looked at that. It means he's a heavy drinker of God's word. Okay. Ephesians 5 says, be drunk not with wine, but with the, with the Spirit. So what, what, what do you, what, how do you get filled with the Spirit? Well, you drink lots of God's Word. You yield yourself to the Spirit of God. You're eager to obey and follow the Lord. And there's not any habitual sin in your life. You see, the Bible tells us we can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit in our life by, by living in sin. Okay, so you want to be filled with the Spirit. You want to be an effective evangelist. You want to share Jesus and see people get saved. First thing you need to do is make sure you're filled with the Spirit. Okay, and one of the ways to do that is to look at your life and say, okay, is there anything in my life that God has said no to that I'm saying yes to? Is there anything in my life that, that God has said yes to and I'm saying no to? Okay, and if there is, then you need to change that. Okay, you need to repent of that. You need to yield yourself to God. If you're, if you're here this morning and there's things in your life you know God does not want there, and you're just basically saying to God, I don't care what you say. They're going to be there anyway. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to submit. You know what? You're hindering the Spirit of God in your life. And so the most important thing to start out with here is to be filled with the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is the one that produces salvation in people's lives, okay? Number two, second practical application is get close to the person you're sharing with. Look in verse 29. Verse 29 says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So what's the very first thing that the Spirit of God says to, this, to, to, to Philip, okay? He said, Get close to him. Get close to him. Go, go up beside him, Okay. So Philip walks up, the chariot's probably going real slow, probably pulled by oxen or mules. And so he goes up and he gets by the chariot and he just gets close to this guy. 
You, you know what I've seen? Sometimes evangelism happens from a distance, okay? Sometimes you might have a track and you might leave it on a restaurant table. You might leave it in a bathroom. You might mail it to somebody. Sometimes you got a Bible and you put it in a hotel room or you mail it to somebody. And you know what? God uses those things. The Spirit of God saves people through it. But I bet if we did a poll in here, just an informal poll real quick, I bet most of the born-again believers in here would say, I came to Jesus through a relationship with somebody else. Someone cared about me. Someone built a relationship with me. Someone loved on me. Someone cultivated my life. They invested in my life. And that's how I came to know Christ. And there's a great principle there that if you want to be a a, a person who's successful at sharing your faith, you got to be a person that gets close to other people. You build relationships with other people. I had a young person in this church a while back that said to me, Pastor, I feel called to be a missionary, but I'm still in high school. So what do I need to do? And I said, well, you know, first of all, you need to immerse yourself in the scriptures. You need to grow in your own personal relationship with Christ. And they said, well, what can I do, though, to help me to get the skills to be a missionary? You know what I told that person? I said, listen, the best thing you can do is learn to be friendly. Learn to be friendly. Learn learn to build relationships. Learn to talk to people. Learn to be interested in people. Learn to cultivate relationships. Attain the skill of being at Walmart or at United or at the, the parts store or wherever and be able to strike up a conversation with somebody and build a relationship. Because you know why? Because when you, when you have relationships, you also have opportunities to share your faith. Okay? So practical application number two, get close to the person. Number three, Ask good questions. What does Philip do when he gets up there? Does, is, is he the typical preacher? Gets up beside the chariot and the guy's reading. He says, sir, stop reading. I have some things to tell you. Here it goes. Romans three twenty three. For all sin and fall short of the glory. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? Listen, listen. Verse 30. Philip ran over to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and ask. Simple question. You understand what you're reading? You understand what you're reading? It's a question. Now, now, why are questions so important? Well, se- several reasons. Number one, questions initiate a relationship, okay? They initiate a relationship. You know, last, most of my week was spent in a hospital, so, so that, that's kind of what I got to go on. You, you, know, you know what I did with most of the nurses? I asked them questions. Hey, you lived in Stillwater all your life? You know, where are you from? You got a family? You got kids? You know? One, one, I heard one of the nurses talk about uh, riding her motorcycle. That opened up a door. Started asking her questions about her motorcycle. Started telling her about my Schwinn scooter. She's impressed. She, she rides a Harley Heritage. I said, I ride a Schwinn 150. We started talking about it. I called her the Harley nurse the rest of the time. I said, Harley nurse, you know. We just built a relationship. Number two, you find out what's going on in a person's life. How, how are you going to know where a person's at? Let me ask you, does everybody need the same gospel presentation? Do you, do, you, do you memorize something and you just give that to everybody, everybody you share with? You know, your five-year-old asks a question about God and you give him the same thing that you talk to your biker buddy, you know? No. Everybody's not the same place. That's why you got to ask questions. You ask questions to see where people are at. He has questions to see where are they at? Are, are they bitter against God? You know, because they had a lo- they lost a loved one, and they've been through tragedy, or, or, or are they are they are they living for the moment? And those people they're trying to fill themselves up with the world, but they're empty. Or are they an atheist? Or are they what, what are they? Where are they? You got to figure that out. How do you figure that out? You ask questions. 
People don't come with signs, you know. You don't walk up and writing appears on their forehead, you know. Agnostic, been through a rough childhood. You know, I mean, that didn't happen. You got to ask questions. Asking questions open up a dialogue. Dialogues are really more powerful than monologues. You know, when you're able to, to back and forth, where are they at? What questions do they have? What don't they understand? What do they understand? What, what, do, they, what do they think wrongly about? Where are they hurting? You see, when you ask questions and you're, you're able to discern, where, where do I need to start to bring them to Jesus? Asking questions give you the opportunity to pick the conversation topic. One of the biggest things people ask, and this is real, they're like, Pastor, how, how do you get started talking about spiritual things, you know? I, I mean, you know how you do that? You ask questions. I mean, there's other ways, but the, the best way I've found is to ask questions. You know, people know how to talk about weather. They know how to talk about sports. They know how to talk about fishing. They know how to talk about their work. They know how to do that. But they, they can't get from there to spiritual. The easiest way I've found, ask a question. Ask a question. Figure out where the person is. If you're asking questions, then you can figure out where the person is and you can, you can connect it to Jesus. That's exactly what Philip does. Look at what he does. Look at, look at the fourth practical thing here. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and he beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. Okay? So beginning with the scripture, where, where, where this guy's at, what does he do? Takes him to Jesus. What do you got to do? Figure out where somebody's at. So where are they at? So you ask them questions. You know what you figure out? You figure out that they've had a rough life. And they're, they're pretty, pretty angry with life, pretty disillusioned with life. So what do you do? Well, you take them from there. You take them to Jesus. You say, you know what? I've, I've not had a, a life like you've had. And I'm sorry that you've had that rough life. But I do know this. I do, I do know that the Bible says Jesus can make all things new. And you know what? I do know that Jesus is the healer. You know what he did in the Bible? You know, he, he, he could heal blind people and he could heal lame people and he could heal deaf people and he could even raise the dead. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that whatever, whatever's going on in your life, that, that Jesus can heal that and he can make you new on the inside. What do we just do? We took from where they're at to Jesus, right? Okay, that's, that's what Philip does. He preaches Jesus to them. You know, don't make the mistake. And here, here's a mistake I see made a lot of times by preachers, by, by talking a whole bunch about what we do and real little about what Jesus does. You see, I think that's a big mistake. You know, sometimes people will be like, you know, someone will come and they'll, 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 be, they'll be distressed about their life and they'll be fed up and they want to change and, and they're interested in spiritual things. And you know what someone will do? They'll, they'll talk a whole bunch about what you need to do. You need to repent and you need to have faith and you need to be baptized and you need to join a church and you need to get in a small group. Oh, and by the way, Jesus died for your sins on the cross. Okay, and you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes people are just really hungry for, 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 for God. And so they're like, okay, what did you say I need to do? We need to repent. What does that mean? What, turn away from your sins. Okay, I'll do it. You need to have faith in Jesus. Well, okay, I believe in him. And, and you, need to, you need to get baptized. Okay, how do I do that? Well, you go forward and the pastor will talk to you. And, okay, I'll, and you know what? Some people repent and they have faith and they're baptized. Do they trust Jesus? How could they? They don't know very much about him. You know, they, they, don't, they don't know how awesome he is. They don't know how faithful he is. They don't know how glorious he is. They don't know how good he is. They don't know his grace. They don't know his love. They don't know his mercy. They don't know all that stuff. Nobody's told them that. And, and so you know what happens? They go through all the motions of religion. But when, when the real life begins to happen, are, are they yielding to Christ? Probably not because they've not learned to trust him. 
They've not learned to lean upon him. They've not learned how, how, how stable and good and faithful and resourceful he is. And so, and so what we've got to learn to do, folks, is brag a lot about Jesus. People will tell me, they'll say, Pastor, I, you know, it's easy for you. You know, you blab all the time. You talk for 15 minutes. You're blah, blah, blah. You know, I can't do that, you know. You know, well, I don't know what to say. Here's a basic rule. When you don't know what to say, just brag on Jesus. Brag on him. Brag on him. See what, see what the Spirit of God will do. You know, brag on him. So, you know, just whatever, whatever you're talking about in life, just brag on Jesus. Talking about how dry it is. You're a farmer. You know, I grew up a farmer. Talking about how dry it is. You know, you're not going to be able to plant corn. We don't have a wheat crop. You know, farmers, they talk about that every day. You know, hey, if you don't know what to say, you know what you ought to do? You got to brag on Jesus. You say, well, I just know this. I mean, things look pretty bad. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know this. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's what Philippians tells me. And I know that Jesus is going to get us through this. And we may lose the farm. That's okay because Jesus will have something better for us. Jesus is taking care of me. There you go. What'd you do? You bragged on him. You bragged on him. Is it all true? Absolutely true. The Spirit of God will use that. What does Philip do? He takes him from the Scripture. takes him to Jesus. So, let's wrap this up. What happens? Well, Ethiopian hears the gospel. He believes. I love this. They're driving by. There's water. He says, hey, why can't I be baptized right now? <laughs> Isn't that good? He says, I want, the, I want to publicly identify. I want to identify with all, in front of all my entourage here. I want, you know, he, he, he's like the head of state. He's like the, the, the secretary of, of finance for his country. So he's got all these people with him. And I want to be baptized right here. And he is. And you know the last word on this guy? Teresa put that uh, verse 39 up, I think. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. What's the last word? Last word. And went on his way rejoicing. Isn't that awesome? He went on his way rejoicing. And you know what? That is, that is a characteristic of what it means to be a believer. If you look in John chapter 15, in verse 11, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus said, I, I spoke these words of truth so that my joy would be inside of you. And we see that everywhere. We see it in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, verse 52, it's describing the disciples. It says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And what we see in the Bible is joy accompanies, great joy accompanies salvation. It makes you wonder why sometimes Christians don't look happier than they ought to look, right? You know, because what Christ has done for us, we have abundant reason for joy. And let me just leave you with this. If that's what Christianity does, if that's what Jesus does in a life, is brings great joy in all circumstances, then why would you not want other people to have it? I can think of a bunch of reasons for you to talk about Jesus with other people. I can't think of one good one for you not to. Really. I mean, there, there probably are some. Sometimes it might be embarrassing. Some people may not like it. They may not reject. They may reject it. You know, that didn't stop you. Some of you OU fans, you don't have any problem bragging up OU to OSU people. You know, you can be in a crowd of them. My wife walked into Dallas, the Dallas Cowboy football stadium, decked out in Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to toe. She got rebuked, mocked, ridiculed. I thought we was going to get assaulted at one point. She didn't care. 
That's a stupid football game. Should we really care? Let's be people who talk about Jesus, okay? Just very simply. Don't have all the answers? Good. Because if you did, you would scare me. I I, I get real worried about people that have all the answers. I mean, I really do. I don't know that we want them in our church because they make a mess of everything. They're always correcting everybody. I'm glad we got folks that don't know know it all. But, But some of you in here, you know Jesus. You know him. You walk day by day with him. Let's, let's talk about him with other people. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you give us boldness. God, give us boldness. Lord, I, I'm really thankful for people that were bold in my life. God, I'm thankful for Scott Carlson. God, thank you that he came to wrestling practice every day, uh, wrestled with us, and, and then he talked to us about Jesus. God, I'm thankful for Leona Logan. God, thank you for, I don't know how many Wednesday nights... She spoke of Jesus and jet cadets. And Lord, I I still remember how she talked about him. How she bragged him up. How we sung about him. How we memorized verses. God, thank you for that lady. God, thank you for my dad. God, I thank you for saving him when I was eight. And God, how how I just saw him change just radically. And how he started talking about Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I want to be that guy in other people's lives. I want want people to to hear about Jesus from my lips. Lord, I want these people in this room, God, saints. You put us together as a family. God, I I want this family to be be a people that talks about Jesus. Give Give us grace. In Jesus' name, amen.